of the Likutei Sichas, volume 16, and this is the third Sicha for Purim. Uh, there's three Sichas in that, Chelek and Chelek uh, Tezayin, all on Purim, but this is the third one over there. So, so over here, the Rebbe is going to review the last verse uh, um, of the Megillah. After it says that uh, Moshe, that uh, Mordechai, after the whole miracle, everything took place, it says that Mordechai became the Mishnah Lamelech Achashverosh. He became second to the king of Achashverosh. And then finally, the last word it says that Mordechai a Yehudi was second to the king, and Godly became big and everything else. But the final. Words over there. It says, "It says, Verotsui Leroyv Echad Dover Sholem Lechol Dover Shol Lechol Zarei." But the words over here that the Rebbe quotes and the Rebbe emphasizes over here, it says that he was accepted. Rotsui means he was accepted. Leroyv Echad to most of his brothers, who were um, who were Mordechai's brothers that we say over here. Mordechai, he was accepted by most of his brothers. His brothers, so the Gemara says, uh, the Gemara in the Megillah says, um, look, it says, L'roiv echov. L'roiv echov means most of, most of his brothers. But v'loy l'kol echov, but not to all of his brothers, which means that not everybody, not everybody was accepting of the position of Mordechai. And the Gemara says, This teaches us that some of the Sanhedrin, those are his brothers, some of them have separated themselves from Mordechai. So his brothers, the Anshik Nesak were not everybody was happy with him. Some of them separated themselves. Why? How come some of them separated themselves from Mordechai? So Rashi explains over there in the Gemara is Lifisha bottle Medivrei Torah v'Nichlas Lisrora, because he wasted now time from studying Torah, and he went into uh, leadership, into uh, becoming an officer, to dominance. He became a Lisrora. He became a, a government official. So some of the uh, Sanhedrin people weren't happy with that. So that's one. Now in the Gemara, the Gemara continues and says that actually Godel Talmud Torah that to study Torah is greater even than saving lives. How does the Gemara prove this? So the Gemara says like this. In the Pasuk, it, too, it, it talks about the list of the Sanhedrin and two psukim. There is a pasuk in uh, Ezra, uh, and there is a pasuk uh, in Nehemiah. So they count over there the people that were in the Sanhedrin. So in the uh, book of Ezra, he counts over there Mordechai. the fourth, which means that there were four people in Sanhedrin greater than Mordechai 
and he was the fifth. But later on in the book of Nehemiah, the Sefer Nehemiah, he also lists over there the Sanhedrin. Over there he counts him after the uh, after the fifth. So in other words, he became the sixth. So the Gemara says, why all of a sudden was Mordechai put down one spot? First he was the fifth and now he became the sixth. So he says, because in the meantime, Mordechai became an officer. So he became involved in the government. So they didn't think that he was so important, so he lost some of his importance. So almost, it seems like, what Mordechai did was pretty bad, because see, that they, he lost his spot, he went down a spot. So, the question the Rebbe asked, the Rebbe wants to prove that there's something else going on here, because why do we need the proof from the spot that he lost his fifth spot, he became the sixth, when we see it right in the Megillah. The Megillah says it was we just said, which means that some of the Sanhedrin separated themselves with him, and the reason why they separated themselves is because, I mean, Mordechai didn't separate, didn't stop learning for uh, going into business or trying to do a pleasurable thing. Mordechai went into, why did, why did Mordechai become the second to the king? It was to save lives. That's why he became there, right? So how come the Gemara needs to learn this from different psukim, that from the fifth to the sixth, when the Pasuk itself says that he was... Um, Not accepted by everybody. The Rebbe is going to explain in a minute, for the Rebbe is going to explain in a minute that from our Pasik actually, the Rebbe wants to push the idea that although we see in our Pasik that he wasn't accepted to, to some of his brothers, but that means, on the other hand, that most of his brothers did accept him. So our from our Pasik, what we read in the Megillah, that only that somebody was a, for the majority. This Pasuk isn't yet approved. On the contrary. From our Pasuk, it almost seems that what Mordechai did was actually positive because most of the people agreed with him. So the fact that some of them didn't agree with him makes them in the minority, but the majority rules. So the majority of the Sanhedrin thinks that what Mordechai did was the right thing. That's the way the law remains. So therefore, the Rebbe is going to explain in a minute, that's why the Pasuk by us is not yet evidence. Only because we actually see that Mordechai lost his spot, that instead of being the fifth, um, is, um, is something which actually affected him. Now, some of the commentaries, they say that the reason why we need the second Pasuk is because to validate, which means 
Over there is only the Chachamim. But where do we see that the Pasik agrees with what the Chachamim did? Because the Pasik himself counsels him, tells us that he was fifth and he was sixth. That means that the Pasik tells us that he lost some of his status, that he lost his level. That the Pasik agrees, which means Hashem agrees to that. It's not just the Chachamim. But and that's why we need another Pasik for that. That's, but the Rebbe doesn't buy into that because the Rebbe said the Sanhedrin are people that rule halachas. And if the Sanhedrin ruled that if the Sanhedrin ruled that this is the majority opinion that what Mordechai was doing is good that he's leaving his Torah studies because he's going to save lives so then that should be the rule we don't need another Pasik for that but the Rebbe is going to explain the fact that there's only a minority that, that, that object to what he does that's why we need to show from another Pasik that actually saving lives is not as great as learning Torah because we can still see that he lost his spot. He became from the fifth, he became sixth. Um, there's also something interesting the Rebbe asks, the Rebbe points to. If what Moshe, which what Mordechai did was taka so bad, how come he only lost one spot? Uh, he should have uh, lost all of his spot. He shouldn't be. I mean, just to lose one space. Sanhedrin had 71 people. That still means that he, if he became, instead of number five, he became number six. He was still pretty high up there. If he did something so terrible, why did he lose only one spot? And, uh, and then it's, we, we need to understand. So, 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 so what was going on over here? Uh, how come Mordechai became, it looks like, a second to the king for a long time? So some people were happy with him, some were not happy with him. So either way, either Mordechai should have convinced them that he's right, or he should have accepted what they're saying, that he's wrong, but he did. Why did it, why was it such a standstill, you know, that it seems like, some of them agreed, some of them disagreed, and they went on from, from there. So this all tells the, the, the Rebbe's pshat is that it was only a minority that objected. So therefore he didn't lose everything because the people, he, he was backed by most of the Sanhedrin. Uh, and the fact that some of them disagreed with him uh, that wouldn't mean that uh, studying Torah is greater than saving lives because it's just a minority that says that. And actually, Moshe, Mordechai was not put down that much because he, he actually uh, went along with the opinion of the majority, so the majority didn't think that he was so wrong and they didn't put him down any more than one space. All right, one space he lost. He lost a little bit, but not so much. Uh, but so the question is really on the other side. The question really we need to understand. But since the majority opinion rules, so how come the minority objected? How come they separate themselves from uh, from Mordechai? They should have accepted the majority opinion. So Mordechai was doing wrong. It was doing right. 
And then, we also, it seems like a little strange. We have two statements. One statement we're showing you that the majority goes with Mordechai. And then we see the other statement that follows, and according to some, the reason the Ha'orah is the same author, the same Aymeru uh, says both things. In the second one, he says what? That it's greater to study Torah, that's why he lost his space over there. So it seems to be almost a conflict over there. And the Rebbe is going to explain, this is not necessarily a black and white issue and it's not for everybody. The Rebbe points to the language in the discussion over here. It doesn't say that some of the Sanhedrin disagreed with him. That would be like Cholkolov. They disagreed with Mordechai. No. It doesn't say like some weren't happy with him. It doesn't say that. Uh, it says Pirshumi Menu. They separated from him. Separated from him doesn't mean that they thought that what Mordechai was doing is against the Torah. But separated means really that they had another path, they had another direction, they had another view how the people of Sanhedrin must conduct themselves, or Tamidah Chachamim in general. And there could be two views, and he has his view, they're not disagreeing with him, but for them, uh, that wasn't the right way, but it's not like they objected and said that what Mordechai was doing is wrong. It's not that, no. It's just that they didn't think that this is their, this is a way for them. That wasn't something that they went by. Who explains as follows. There's a story the Rebbe relates that happened with Ragachov Ergoen. He used to be a great genius in the previous, before the war. His name was Rabbi Yosef Rosin. He lived in the city of Devinsk. And after, this was before World War II, and he was like a very, uh, a very special genius. And the fact is that he knew all of the Torah, everything. He has a lot of writing. It was a very... Uh, and uh, it was a, uh, a chassid he was. So after the Rebbe says that the, his father-in-law, the previous Rebbe, came out from Russia and he came to Riga, that's in Latvia, so he organized a gathering of the different rabbis who were leaders and activists trying to help the Russian Jews. Amongst the invited guest was also, invited people was also the Ragachover, Rabbi Yosef Rosin. So during that meeting, they wanted to appoint a, a group which would sort of meet from time to time, and they would sort of decide, figure out how to conduct the work to benefit the Russian Jews. So they asked the Ragachover that he should participate and become part of that uh, group. But he refused and he explained that whether he should enter into that group, actually in his uh, usual way, 
is dependent upon a disagreement between the Talmud Babali and the Talmud Yerushalmi, the Babylonian and Yerushalmi Talmud. And the Rebbe doesn't bring it down right now over here, uh, but known is that uh, when there is uh, a disagreement between the two Talmuds, between the Babylonian and the Yerushalmi Talmud, who do we go by? We go by the Babylonian Talmud. And since According to the Babylonian Talmud, he is not, Talmud Babel, he is not to become part of this group. He has to refuse. Because Allah is like the Babel. Well, wait a minute, what, what does it say in the, uh, the Babylonian Talmud? What is the Ragachava talking about? So he explained. The Gemara says in Baruchas, the Gemara says that the earlier Hasidim, they would take them nine hours a day to daven. They would spend nine hours every day davening. So the Gemara has the question, in that case, so how would they keep their Torah study and how could they ever do any work when they were always davening? Nine hours a day davening. So the Gemara answers that because they were Hasidim, their Torah was guarded and their work was blessed. So they didn't, they didn't have to learn so much because it was guarded and the work was blessed. In the Yerushalmi, brings down the same idea, but over there it changes a little bit. Over there it says that because they were Hasidim, doesn't just say that their learning was guarded and their work was blessed, but it says also because they were Hasidim, there was blessing in their Torah and there was blessing in the work. So the difference is in the Babli it says that their Torah was kept. In the Yerushalmi it says that the Torah was blessed. What's the difference between when we say the Torah was guarded and that the blessing was given into their Torah? Guarded means that it's not forgotten. But you don't get anything new in your teaching. Whatever you can study in that little bit of time that you have when you're not davening is going to be kept. You're not going to lose it. But when we say that there's a blessing given in the Torah. That means that they were successful to understand and to grasp immediately. They didn't have to take time to work out things, to figure things out. As soon as they would learn it, they would understand it. Which means not only did they not forget that was their learning, but there is an addition in the understanding and the knowledge of the Torah, in the little bit of time that they study, they are so successful to understand and to immediately get the idea. So normally, naturally, it would take uh, a lot more time of study Torah. But because they were Hasidim, they were able to learn a little bit and they can grab, grasp immediately what it takes a long time. So that's what the Ragachavar said. That if he's going to participate in that group, he's going to have to take away time from his study of Torah. 
So according to the Yerushalmi, that because they were Hasidim, they got a blessing in the Torah. So he's not going to be lacking anything in the knowledge of Torah. But since the ruling is like the Babli, that it's only that the Torah is kept, it's guarded, so he's going to be lacking the addition in the learning and the knowledge of Torah that he could have acquired when he would learn also in those periods of time that he's going to be spending to going to the meetings, and therefore he cannot give up that time. That was his opinion. That was the opinion of the Ragachov. And basically, the Rebbe's point is that, of course, for the Ragachov, that was his, that was his sort of uh, specialty. The Ragachov was the genius. His job was knowledge of Torah. So for him, that was that perspective. He would be like from that uh, from that minority that separated themselves from, from Mordechai. Because to them, there needed to be uh, a blessing in order to stop. But if they don't get the blessing, then it doesn't, it doesn't work. Let's go inside. So this explanation between the disagreement, the Babni Rishalmi, is also a difference in the approach in the Talmud Babli and Talmud Yerushalmi. If those who study the Talmud Babli see that there's a lot of give and take. In the Talmud Babli, there's always questions. Actually, the Gemara expounds the verse. It says, Bamachshakim Heishivani, he has placed me in darkness. Darkness refers to the Babylonian Talmud, Talmud Babel, because in the Talmud Babli, it's just like somebody is in a dark room. Uh, and it takes a long time to find where is the door, where is the so it takes effort to go, how to get around. It's dark, you don't see it. You gotta ask a lot of questions and you gotta sort it out until you come to the real meaning and you come to the right conclusion. That's the way the Talmud Babli works. But in the Talmud Yerushalmi, you study straight, direct. You right away find the right idea and the right answer. It's like somebody looking in something where there is light. So therefore, it should come out that according to the view and the style of study from the Babli, so when you learn a little bit the Chsidim you can only accomplish this concept of the Torah to be guarded. In other words, they don't forget the study of Torah that they studied. But you can't really get that it should be in a way of a blessing in their Torah. So immediately to understand, that's not, Babli doesn't do work that way. The Talmud Babli, you got to sort it out, you got to give and take. You can't have a direct, you can't get that blessing. It's not, that's not the style of the Talmud Babli. But according to the style, the view, and the philosophy, basically, of the Talmud Yerushalmi, so then the Hasidim, they get a blessing in the Torah, which means they successfully understand immediately, and they did not have to take any time out. This is like 
a very direct way. They would get the idea immediately and they can see the truth without, everything is open. So they come, they get the blessing because of the chassid. So we can say, the Rebbe says, that this is the difference between Mordechai, which most of the Sanhedrin agree to, and the different view of the minority of Sanhedrin is the similar to this agreement of the Bamli and the Rishalmi. How did people come to become part of this great Sanhedrin? They were taken from the smaller Sanhedrin. You know, in every in Yerushalayim, they were sitting by the Beis Hamikdash, a Sanhedrin of seventy-one, but a Beis of twenty-three was in all cities. And um, where did the Sanhedrin Ketana? They were either in Yerushalayim or they were in Eretz Yisrael. So when we talk about Sanhedrin. Where did those people come from? The majority come from. They were like Yerushalmi, the limit of Yerushalmi. They were in Eretz Yisrael. The Talmud Babali, of course, was written in Babylonia, outside of Eretz Yisrael. The Talmud Yerushalmi was written in Eretz Yisrael. So, therefore, the people of the Sanhedrin who came from Eretz Yisrael, their study, we assume, uh, in the time of the Mishnah, at the time of Nachkanesek they studied in a way like it's the study of the Talmud Yerushalmi. But not everybody, because included in that Sanhedrin, there were sages, Tanoim from Babel, uh, we say that Hillel came from Babel, Babli, and others, and it was already been 70 years after the exile of Babel, so all the rabbis came all these great learned people, they came from Babel to Eretz Yisrael. The Vuchadnetzar, the king of Babel, exiled. And then they started coming back on the first year. So in other words, there's the Cheshman of the Rebbe made. So they started coming back. So Basically, uh, there were, it passed a lot of time since they left Yerushalayim already. So there was a lot of them adapted, I guess, to the new, uh, to the new uh, style of bubble. Uh, they weren't in Yerushalayim for a while because they went into exile. So, therefore, we had various opinions in the Sanhedrin. So Mordechai and the majority of the Sanhedrin, they were of the view that one must become a Mishnah Lamelech in order, second to the king, in order to save lives. So, what is going to be the problem? So, how can you remain in the Sanhedrin? How could you be of the people of the great gathering if you're not going to be learning anymore? You're not going to be occupied with Torah. You're going to be busy with the government. So, how are you going to be part of the Basin? How are you going to be part of the Sanhedrin? But, because they were Hasidim, and because Mordechai was a Hasid, so he found a blessing in the Torah. So therefore, he's going to have success, not just that his Torah is going to be kept, but he's going to be able to immediately grasp and understand, so that it will be blessed, and he will be able to grow in Torah more 
than the real time that he has left for Torah. So being busy with the government is going to leave him very little time for the study of Torah, but because it's the philosophy of the Talmud Yerushalmi, because it's a, he's going to be able to learn a little bit of time, spend a little bit of time learning, but in that little bit of time, he's going to be able to master a whole lot. However, there's some people in the Sanhedrin, they were in the minorities, they said that their learning style was how they learn in Talmud Babli. So therefore, they only had Torah would be guarded. So when you dedicate yourself to uh, activities for the community and saving lives, but you're still going to be lacking in the addition that one needs to know in Torah. If you're a Sanhedrin, you can't just keep what you know, you must increase in your Torah. So that's why some of the Sanhedrin separated themselves because they could not have that style of service of Mordechai and the majority of the Sanhedrin and they went their own path. As the Rebbe says before, it's not that they disagreed, but they said, we can't do that. We can't have, we don't have that level of success, that style of learning. So to us, we must constantly learn, and we can't give up at that time. Similar to what the Rebbe said. So, then the question becomes, so Mordechai turns out, got this blessing, right? So if it's true that Mordechai received this blessing in his Torah, so what does it really mean? So what, it seems like what we're saying over here is, even though Mordechai had to give up a lot of time of learning Torah, but it didn't matter because in a little bit of time that he had left, he was able to accomplish a whole lot, right? So then the question becomes, how come he went down from his important by the Chachamim and he went down one row? So how come he went down became the sixth from the fifth? And we say that because he uh, uh, because he went and he uh, stopped learning Torah and he went into the government but wait a minute, but it should not affect him going into the government because the little time he has left, he would still be able to accomplish that. Um, the Rebbe said there is something about always studying, even if it's a situation that you're not going to be lacking in your knowledge of Torah, but there is something about always being preoccupied with Torah. Uh, when the Gemara says that Torah is greater than saving lives. Uh, what the Gemara is saying that there is something great to dedicate your entire life for the study of Torah. And Mordechai did not have that greatness because he was busy with the government affairs. So therefore, he lost some of his importance by the Chachomim and they no longer mentioned him as the fifth, now he is mentioned as the sixth. 
But still, that doesn't take away from the fact that they all agreed that he should have become second to the king because that notwithstanding the fact that he is lacking because of his government, he doesn't have that greatness from studying Torah, but yet it is worth, in order to save lives, to be... uh, which means to seek the good for his people and uh, to accomplish that. I will. Um, in the Megillah, we know the main player was Mordechai and Esther. And we know that Mordechai wasn't just an activist, Mordechai was part of the Sanhedrin. Sanhedrin was the Supreme Court, the Jewish Supreme Court. There were only 71 people from the entire Jewish community that sat on that high court. That means that the 71 most distinguished people that the Jewish people had at the time, they were part of that court. Now, that court was the Supreme Court, and any situation that needed clarification to verify, to figure out, you would present it to the, um, to the high court, to the Sanhedrin. Now, Mordechai, Mordechai HaTzadik, he sat on that court. He was part of the 71 greatest people. Matter of fact, it worked basically in the orders of importance, how they were important. So, Matter of fact that Mordechai was on the fifth. There were only four people before Mordechai. He was on the fifth. So that means that he was the fifth. From all of the rabbis, he was the fifth most important person sitting on the court. Now, we know that Mordechai got involved with the miracle of Purim to get... Esther to go visit Achashverosh to get him to rescind, to change his mind. And eventually we read in the end of the Megillah that actually Achashverosh became the second to the king. He became a Mishnah Lamelech. He became a second to the king, to King Achashverosh. That meant that he was preoccupied with the affairs of the government, preoccupied with, as the verse says, he would take care of his brothers, he was an advocate, an adamant, an avid advocate for the Jewish people in the house of Achashverosh as secondary to the king. However, the Talmud tells us that after he gave up his learning full-time to become an activist and to become part of the government, he was put down one seat. Now he became number six. Before he was number five. Now he became number six. And, and the Rebbe explains that Mordechai was such a great tzaddik. He was such a holy man. And he deserved so much for his actions that he was able to study in a little bit of time 
and accomplish what it takes ordinary people a lot more, longer than that. So it turns out that the time that he needed to spend doing the government affairs did not really affect his knowledge of the Torah study. But yet, he was put down one line because there is still a difference just knowing the Torah or occupying yourself in Torah. The fact that Mordechai could no longer study Torah all the time because he was involved in the community affairs, uh, he didn't have the time to study Torah so much. So he, he was busy. So he knew, Hashem blessed him that he was able to figure out the Torah. He was able to learn a lot. But yet he lacked at that point the special advantage that you have from sitting in Torah all the time. So the question is how still does Mordechai remain in the Sanhedrin but isn't the job of the Sanhedrin to teach the law? The Sanhedrin are not activists, they're not uh, community uh, people, they teach halacha, they teach Torah, they rule. Their whole preoccupation needs to be uh, study Torah. They need to learn the law. They have to have the legal. They have to have the legal mind and the legal understanding of the Torah to make the rule. That's the job of the Supreme Court, of the Sanhedrin. So the question is, how could he only be that he only lost one seat? Or, in other words, the Rabbi says, he, he didn't seem like he belonged in the Sanhedrin. If you're an activist, okay. Activist is good. But how does an activist connect with the Sanhedrin? Why would Sanhedrin allow for activism? But the Rebbe says a very interesting, brings down from the Tonad Velio, that really people make a mistake. They think that the job of the rabbis of the Supreme Court of the Sanhedrin is just to teach Torah, to learn Torah. No. He says that the main function of the rabbis is to worry about uh, the community. They can't just isolate themselves and study the Torah and figure out the deepest secrets of the Torah and come up with the right analysis. But it says over there that they must gird themselves, they have to roll up their sleeves, they roll up their garments, and go out there to the people and teach them and make sure that they are impacted. They shouldn't be isolated by themselves. They have to make sure the people are going to be learning. Even though notwithstanding, the only time a Sanhedrin can do capital cases is only when they are sitting in their place. But if they're around and about, they can't do capital cases. Why? Because being in their place gives them more strength. So it turns out that when they're going out to help the people study and etc., they're losing some of their value. They're losing some of their greatness. And yet we say, that's the function of the Sanhedrin. The function of the Sanhedrin is to be there to teach the people, not just to sit and figure out the laws for themselves. But the most important part is, and that's why, is to go out and teach the people. And that's why 
since that's the function of the Sanhedrin, so this is something that um, if people still need to sometimes leave the Sanhedrin, like Mordechai did, needed to leave the Sanhedrin to save lives, to be in the government over there, uh, still, uh, they still kept him in the Sanhedrin. He was still very, very important because that's part of the function of the Sanhedrin. It's not something different to go ahead and help the people. That's part of what Sanhedrin is all about. The Rebbe brings this as a metaphor to the previous Rebbe. The previous Rebbe, Rebbe says here, he would steal time, which means he wanted to have time. There was time that was designated for the study of Torah for himself, his own service to Hashem. He really wanted to do that. But he would steal from that time, from his own personal service to Hashem, and he occupied himself with the public affair with activities to benefit the community. And he also demanded from his students and from those who follow him that they should also do the same way. That he made like yeshivas, in most yeshivas when you have a break, what do they do? They go and learn something more. But he, the Rebbe said when they have a break, in between the seders, they should give some time to spreading Yiddishkeit, to spreading Torah, to spreading Yiddishkeit to other people. And in such a way that the time that you spend is not on your own preparation, and not, I mean, not just to study with the other person, but how are you going to study person? You have to raise funds, you have to make a place to learn, you got to make space. So we're not just talking about spending the time studying with them, but all the other activities that it's involved. That means that even those Hasidim who still needed to study Torah, they have not yet accomplished. They needed to still study. And it turns out that if they're going to give away time that they from study, they'll be losing out. They're not going to be as learned as they could be. And yet, that's what he demanded. Because we find some great rabbis. The Rebbe used an example as the Ragachover, Goen. He was the genius, the Goen Ragachov. He was his he was like from these singular people. Those are people that only studied. That was for very few. And uh, and that's not the general. That's why we find by Mordechai there were some of the other rabbis that didn't think that Mordechai did the right thing. Because in there, they didn't say the right thing. They separated themselves. They said, you know, we need to be studying Torah. That's all we need to do. That's a few, but uh, few, but the majority. And uh, he says that uh, a, a, a Rebbe, especially, he quotes there from the name of the Baal Shem Tov and the verse Kumi The verse says that when a Rebbe when a Nasi, a great Tzaddik, he gives away from his time to teach and to uh, educate, to guide, to show the way, to, to, to help the people, uh, it becomes in a way that God gives them back and shines to them a tremendous amount, a tremendous level in their life. And so what does it mean to us? The Rebbe says when we read the Magilla, we can't read it backwards. 
we have to read the Megillah and try to have it relevant to us. If you think that the Megillah is something that happened in the past, and then it says Loyotso, Mafreya Loyotso, this is a very famous thing, we have to learn, which means that we need to do what Mordechai did. We need to become a Mishnah Lamelech, so to speak. In order to make good, there's a dangerous situation out there. There's so many people that are getting lost and they're getting, uh, are apathetic and not interested in Yiddishkeit, have no idea about Yiddishkeit. And especially you talk, you know, we think that the people we meet in the shul, these are the people, and even if you have people coming into the shul, these are already the educated people. Many people don't even barely know that they're Jewish, but even if they know that they're Jewish, they don't know what it means to be Jewish. They have really no clue what Jewish means to be. So there is a lot of things uh, to do, and the person gives up of their own time that they can sit and study, and they try to work out there. Uh, and uh, it's, 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 that's the way Hashem wanted the world to be, that we should come down a level in order to help others, which... Basically, that's what happens with the neshama. The neshama was up there on the spiritual level. It came down to this world to overcome all the obstacles. A person lives by himself, no worries, gets married. Then he has to take care of his wife, take care of the family, preoccupies, can't spend the time in the yeshiva, wants to learn, and he wants to study. But no, that's not the way. A uh, person comes down, is in the house, takes care, does what he needs to do, and it's a descending level for somebody who wants to just sit and study Torah, doesn't want to be involved in any of the activities of the world. Um, so, he says like this, this is uh, something which we find, it's interesting, that People, even who learn all the time, they need to interrupt to read the Shema. But those who are busy with community affairs in those certain situations are actually exempt. Because uh, through uh, occupying yourself fully, uh, even if you lack a little bit, uh, but you will be able to be successful and you will see that things will um, and um, so the Rebbe says like this, one thing, one more point the Rebbe makes over here we're all talking about here, Mordechai was trying to protect the physicality of the Jewish bodies because they wanted to annihilate, they wanted to kill the Jews but now we're talking about a spiritual death, we're talking about the death of the soul we're talking about them, so then for sure Yes, the Rebbe's bottom line is that we can't neglect it. We can't just be concerned by ourselves, but we must go there, take the time, and to help somebody else, bring them out, and help them along in their service to Hashem.